LeBron James, sexiest man alive, and virgins making news. What the hell am I talking about? Well, you're about to find out right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show. Holla at your boy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Obviously, I'm on the road. I'm traveling a lot and what have you, so I'm in different locations all the time. But no matter where I'm at, always be rest assured that I'm coming at you from a studio presented to me by our very studio sponsors. FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel the official studio sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show. As usual, got nothing but love for all of y'all who have been showing me nothing but love. My subscribers on YouTube have exceeded 376,000 in less than eight months. Uh, I, I can't wait for it to hit 400,000 and ultimately half a million and ultimately a million because I'm going to keep on going. Make no mistake about it. Appreciate the love. Know that as long as you give it to me, I'm going to give it right back to you by continuing to show up here and providing the best content I possibly can buy. Remember, I'm on the road because, again, I'm on the move. Got a lot of stuff to do with my day job for ESPN, not to mention the fact that I'm building a new studio in about a week or so. It'll be open and I'll be operating my podcast for the most part from my new studio on the East Coast. So stay tuned for that because I can't wait for you to see what I'm going to bring to the table in the days, the weeks, the months, and hopefully the years to come. Uh, so I thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all the support that you've given me. And before I even get into the subject, please remember to pick up my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes, okay, in bookstores and online and wherever you want to. It's in audio, not just written. So feel free to go and get it. It is a New York Times bestseller. So I'm happy that wouldn't happen without the support of y'all as well. So I got a lot to be thankful for, especially when it comes to y'all support. I really appreciate it. Let me get right into it. I know a lot of people were expecting me to get into Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis getting injured and Shannon Sharp, a.k.a. Club Shay Shay and everything that he's got to say. Talk about how Anthony Davis is going to play 65 games this year. And I said, hell no, you'll lose that bet by Valentine's Day. Well, lo and behold, um, Anthony Davis had hip spasms against the Miami Heat the other night. Um, and as a result, he had to leave the game in the second quarter. Of course, the Miami Heat lost that game just by one point, but they still lost because Cam Reddish couldn't hit a wide-open three-point shot after LeBron James drove to the basket and fed him the ball. Wasn't that wide open. Had a contested. Uh, the shot was contested to some degree, but nevertheless, he got it off. And if you Cam Reddish and you want to be in this league, you're going to have to hit those shots. It's just that simple. Having said all of that, I don't have much to say about Anthony Davis because here's the deal. Right now, on this season thus far, he's averaging 23 and 12 on better than 55% shooting from field and nearly 43% shooting from three-point range, hitting three of his seven three-point shots, okay, in the games that he has played. So we understand that Anthony Davis is playing at an elevated level, and there's really no news to report when it comes to him other than to say, if the brother is healthy, the Lakers have a big-time chance. If he's not healthy, they have no chance. It really comes down to that. There is no way to slice it. We just got to live with that, and we got to hope that he finds a way Way to make sure he's durable enough to be on the court. I want to get into a bigger issue because the bigger issue for me is LeBron James. And I say this respectfully with affection because LeBron James is one of the greatest players to have ever lived. He's also getting on my damn nerves. You know, there was a quote that was put out about LeBron James the other day, and it was by LeBron James. 
And I'm going to show it to you here on the full screen because I want you to see it as I read this to you, okay? Because I want to understand and illuminate my level of disgust, and I'll explain it all in just a second. This is a quote from LeBron James just the other day. I believe it was in the aftermath of a loss to Miami. He said, quote, either right before the game or right after the game. He says, quote, I think I would still be at this level no matter if I would have came here or not. Let's not get it twisted, LeBron said about coming to Miami and playing there for four years, winning two championships, going to the finals all four years. He said, the four years I was here, it was amazing. I loved everything about it. Loved this franchise. This franchise is top tier. It's one of the best franchises in the world. But as far as my career, my career was going to be my career as far as, as individually, because I know how much I put into the game and I know how much I strived to be as great as I can be. LeBron James continues. He said, but as far as what I was able to learn here was second to none. That's for sure. I came here for one reason and one reason only, and that was to win championships. That was my only goal. That was the only reason I I teamed up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, because I felt like I couldn't do it in Cleveland. We couldn't. I tried to recruit guys to come to Cleveland. I tried to go and help the upstairs, and it wasn't happening. So I had an opportunity to be a free agent, so I did what I thought was best, not only for my career, but for me at that point in time. Obviously, when those comments leaked, James felt like he was stating the obvious and doubled down on his beliefs, responding to a tweet recalling LeBron James' comments that he'd still be, a, he'd still be dominant. He said, you damn right I would still be. I'm chosen. Ain't nothing changing that. Maybe less rings, but dominant from start to finish. That's what LeBron James said. Here is where I think it's important to point out. LeBron James is absolutely right. He's a career 27-point-per-game scorer. I think he's the greatest small forward in the history of basketball. I think he's one of the top two greatest players of all time in the history of basketball. I'm not going to regurgitate my comments that I've stated ad nauseum over the years. He's not Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, when you take into account the initial years before he was ultimately able to capture a championship, being scared to go to the free throw line, jacking up shots because he didn't want to get fouled because he didn't have that level of confidence at the free throw line. These are facts. These are facts. LeBron James and everybody else can slice it any way they want to. It's freaking facts. Okay. And then when you went into the finals and you were being guarded with your back to the basket near the post area by the likes of Jason, T Jason Terry and J.J. Barea, you know how inexcusable that was. Did that ever happen to Michael Jordan? It did not. A six-time champion, 6-0 six in NBA finals, never allowing a series to get to a seventh game, a 10-time scoring champion, a nine-time all-NBA defensive first-team player. Are you kidding me? Are we smoking something? Are we on crack? Ain't nothing to talk about here. Nothing to talk about. But I want to get into the whole deal about he would have been what he is, uh, whether he went to Miami or not. Let me explain and break this down. And I hope that y'all receive this education that I'm, gonna about, about, I'm about to provide. Because it's basketball that we're talking about here. And we know that I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about my basketball I want you to understand, before I say anything, I hope that we have the ticket to put up here. You know, LeBron James, great husband, great father, great philanthropist, uh, actor, director, producer, businessman extraordinaire. He's a media mogul, media mogul. 
That LeBron James, okay? I got to put all of that up because God forbid I say it or a critical word about LeBron James. I got him number two. The game started in 1947. I got him number two all time. God forbid that I got him number two. I mean, the Rich Pauls, the Maverick Carters of the world, primarily Rich Paul more so than Maverick Carters. But I mean, my God, God forbid we say anything less than LeBron is the greatest ever. LeBron is the closest thing to Jesus. God forbid we say anything else. I mean, stop the presses. So I got to put that ticker on there because I got to remind everybody. I got to remind everybody of the greatness of LeBron James, how it is so obvious, it is so crystal clear. It is something that we all know that we should do everything short of bowing to this man. Fair enough. Now let me get to the real issues. LeBron James is phenomenal and great. Let me tell you who else was. Charles Barkley was. Patrick Ewing was. Reggie Miller was. Carl Malone was. There's quite a few people who were absolutely positively phenomenal and great who've never won a championship. So my point to y'all is, is it fair and legitimate to say that if LeBron James hadn't gone to Miami, instead of being compared to Jordan, he would have been compared to Carl Malone? And we ain't throwing no shade on the mailman because we understand what the mailman brings to the table. So it is what it is. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here about what I'm trying to say. LeBron James owes everything to Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley. They don't win a championship without LeBron. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But it was D-Wade that had a title before LeBron arrived. It wasn't the other way around. Y'all remember when D-Wade was in 2006 against the Dallas Mavericks? One of my producers here, Ray, you remember that. You remember that, don't you? Remember what you mean? Didn't you remember D-Wade? Remember when D-Wade spent the last four games of the finals against Dallas averaging 37? 37! Took the hell over! Shaq doesn't have four rings if it were not for D-Wade. He's stuck on three. That's why he called the Flash. Alonzo Mourning never captures a championship if it were not for D-Wade. What are you talking about? What am I missing? And the same D-Wade that helped Shaq get a fourth ring, that helped Alonzo get a first ring, that same D-Wade is the dude who literally babysat LeBron James. I know it's not popular to say. God forbid I tell the truth. I respect the hell out of LeBron James. Ain't nobody trying to disrespect him. I'm saying we talking facts about the game of basketball. When LeBron James first arrived in Miami, he was so psychologically warped, being betrayed by former teammates for business that is none of y'all own, combined with the fact that he was a pariah because the city of Cleveland was burning his jersey and effigy. Because he had departed little white girls and white boys and black girls and black boys crying like somebody got assassinated. When in fact, all it was was that LeBron James left. Remember that? 
crying in the streets of Cleveland and Akron and beyond. You went to Cleveland after that for four years. It looked like a desert town. The economy was crashing for crying out loud. Businesses were bankrupt and boarded up. I mean, that's what LeBron James did. And he had every right to do it. And I don't blame him. And I'll never, ever blame him for leaving Cleveland for South Beach. I'm wondering why the hell he went back. But that's beside the point, and I digress. My point is, he goes to Dallas. Forget the play for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, he never did a press conference by himself. The entire season, D-Wade sat by his side. Now, they want to tell you that the Miami Heat were concerned that there would try to be some kind of divide between the media would try to divide him and, and, and LeBron, D-Wade, and LeBron. Oh, shut the f- up. Nobody trying to hear that. That is not the reason. The reason was is that they were not clear that LeBron would be able to stomach the level of vitriol aimed in his direction. The culture that existed in Miami protected him. It buffered him. It strengthened him internally, elevated his spirit and his intestinal fortitude. And he had his brother, D-Wade, who, by the way, was smaller in size, but much larger towards manhood than LeBron was. D-Wade was a man by the time LeBron James arrived. LeBron was growing into manhood. I don't say that disrespectfully. LeBron James is phenomenal, and he was great, but there was a lot he had to deal with. And D-Wade was that big brother. LeBron never called him a little brother. He called him a big brother because he looked up to him. And it was then and only then when D-Wade was willing to step back after that NBA Finals loss, recognizing that they were never going to win unless he handed the reins to LeBron James because LeBron James needed to be the number one option, not D-Wade. Because LeBron James was better because he was so elite. I'm telling you this because D-Wade said so. And not only did he say so to the public, he said it to me. See, I ain't no damn podcaster. Sitting behind some desk, running my mouth, and I never reported anything. I've been a reporter for 30 freaking years. I talk to people. I have sources. And be there. How many interviews do you need to see me on camera with D-Wade to know I know what the hell I'm talking about? He told me that. So understand what transpired here. When LeBron lost in the finals... Went to bed against Dallas, he was vilified and excoriated. When he came back the next season, remember that All-Star game? Remember it, Michael? Remember it, Ray? All-Star game, going up against Kobe. Kobe clapping his hands. Let's go. In an All-Star game, an exhibition with absolutely nothing to lose. LeBron James acted like he was driving into the lane at the last second and throwing a damn ball at Cam Reddish. Like he did the other night. That's what he did All-Star Weekend. Tried to throw the ball to Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo Anthony turned the ball over. And Carmelo Anthony and D-Wade and Kobe all descended upon LeBron James. What are you doing? It's an All-Star game. The hell are you passing the ball for? Everybody wanted to see you go one-on-one against Kobe. Even Kobe got on him about that, God rest his soul. Because he was psychologically warped. He didn't have that killer in him. 
Regardless of what you saw in 2007 in the Detroit series when he scored 25 straight in 29 and one quarter. Regardless of what you saw him propelling them to the finals against San Antonio before they got swept at a very young age. Regardless of all of that, the killer in him did not arrive officially until a year later when they were down 3-2 to Boston in Boston at TD Bank Garden when LeBron dropped 45 and 15 and he's keeling over looking into the camera and his eyes are white and the eyes rolled up inside his head and he looked like a man possessed because the world, including yours truly, were there in attendance to watch what we thought would be his fall because once they fell down 3-2, we did not believe that they were going to go into Boston and beat KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo, and the crew coached by Doc Rivers. We thought they were done. And LeBron James would have never recovered. But he performed that night, and he deserves credit for it. And his star elevated to another level thereafter, and he deserves credit for that. But not until after the culture and the brotherhood of Dwayne Wade propelled him. Why do you think I was so upset when LeBron James wasn't at Dwayne Wade's Hall of Fame induction ceremony? I still can't believe that wasn't a big enough story. It's supposed to be your brother. Now, I understand. Bronny James, just a few months ago, had the heart ailment, collapsed at USC, rushed to the hospital. Thank God he's okay. And I understand LeBron James spending time with family. But from my understanding, he traveled over the summer. And I'm not LeBron James and I don't get to take private jets that often, but occasionally I do. And I happen to know that you had, you could have had time to fly in for the Hall of Fame induction of your brother. I promise you this, and it's a prognostication, it's a prediction, but I can't say definitively, but I'm almost willing to say, let me promise you that when LeBron James Day comes and he's inducted into the Hall of Fame, I promise you D-Wade will be there. You can bet the house. There's a lot that we don't talk about with LeBron James. Remember when the memorial service took place for Kobe Bryant? I'm quite sure he had his reasons. LeBron was devastated. Loved Kobe. We get that. I can't believe I didn't see him there. Magic was there. Jordan was there. Shaq was there. Steph Curry was there. D-Wade was there. The NBA community was in attendance. We didn't see LeBron James. Two of the most conspicuous, biggest moments, albeit for completely different and in Kobe's case, absolutely tragic reasons. We didn't see the face of LeBron James, the face of the league, one of the preeminent faces in the world of sports. And every time we turn around and we ask these questions, it's like throwing shade. It's not throwing shade. It's recognizing his greatness, his significance, his impact and wondering why. Am I wrong, Ray? Am I wrong, Michael? Am I wrong, Solange? I mean, what am I missing? What's up? I'm simply saying, I'm not asking their rhetorical questions. But why is this so wrong to bring these things up? Why is this so wrong if I'm sitting up there and I'm saying, yo, this quote that you said, it's not paying enough homage. I know that you raved and talked about the Miami Heat organization, but you were going to be what you were going to be no matter what without them. That's just not true. That's just not true. 
One of the reasons that I put Jordan as number one, I'm not looking at Jordan's resume compared to LeBron's resume once LeBron became a champion. I'm looking at the resume leading to becoming a champion. Did Jordan need to be pacified? Did Jordan need a big brother sitting next to him and shielding him from the shrapnel of criticism that was being aimed in his direction from the media? Did Jordan need somebody holding his hand? Did Jordan need to be incentivized and prodded by other human beings to be the killer he needed to be in order to win? Was it Jordan that came up small? In the playoffs, or was it Scottie Pippen with the migraine headache in a game seven against Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals? Was it Jordan that would sit up there and had to be prodded to expose some miniature dude that was guarding him in the post? Was it people looking at LeBron who retired and wearing his sneakers and begging him to come back? Or was that Jordan? Am I missing something? Am I missing something? What are we talking about? I'm saying that road to ultimately becoming a champion, a road that was stymied primarily by the bad boy Pistons and Isaiah Thomas. I don't even give it... If you know anything about me, I love Isaiah Thomas. He is a friend and a brother. Isaiah Thomas gave me my first interview from a professional athlete ever. I was a high school reporter for the New York Daily News. That's how far me and Isaiah go back. 1993, 30 years. I love this man. I love this man. I respectfully disagree when he even intimates LeBron, LeBron, LeBron over Jordan. Because guess what? Psychologically, if you are that warped like LeBron is, you wasn't going to overcome that going up against those bad boy Pistons with Lambert and John Sally and Dennis Rodman and Rick Mahorn, Adrian Danley, Isaiah, Joe Dumas, Daddy, Daddy Rich, Chuck Daly coaching them. Those dudes were specialists in taking your heart. Specialist. And if you didn't have enough of one at any point, they weren't going to allow it to grow and mature. Do y'all not get what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. That was not Jordan that had those issues. It was LeBron James. And you know who helped him overcome those issues, who helped him overcome those issues? It was Dwayne Wade and the Miami Heat and their culture and those rings and the fearless approach and the commitment to winning and the doing things right and the shielding him from all of that nonsense. All of those things, along with the greatness of Wade and Bosch. And ultimately, Ray Allen, who saved the day in that game six, by the way, helping to force a game seven when Greg Popovich the very next year after they won their first championship in Miami, when Greg Popovich decided inexplicably to bench Tim Duncan in the last second and which enabled Chris Bosh to grab a LeBron James miss. He grabbed the rebound, fed it to Ray Allen, who didn't even look down, but was astute enough to step back behind the three point line on the right corner and drain a three. Forcing over time. It's Stephen A. you listening to, baby. You know I know this. The hell we doing? 
It's two different worlds. It's two different worlds. All I'm saying about LeBron James, he didn't utter a disrespectful word about the Miami Heat. I'm not saying he did. I didn't interpret it. I didn't interpret it that way. But let's not act like you would be you if it were not for Miami. You wouldn't be you because you wouldn't be a champion. And if you were never a champion, you wouldn't be the iconic brand that you are right now. We'd be talking about Steph Curry a bit more. That's what we would be doing. But you're a four-time champion. You don't win with Kyrie and Kevin Love if you never learned how to win in Miami. You don't win with Anthony Davis in a bubble if you never won with Miami. Remember that. Remember that. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Before I go to break, um, I want to get to a fun subject. Read some of these names to you. Uh, actor Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian. He's 48 years of age. Actor Timothy Chalamet from Dune. He's age 27. Lenny Kravitz, age 59. Let's not forget. Look at this, brother. Damn. I got to get props where props is due. Usher, he's 45 years of age. And Jason Kelsey, center for the Philadelphia Eagles, age 36. For years, Kelsey referred to himself as Fat Batman. But upon hearing about making the sexiest man alive list, he said beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think I'm going to throw some shade, I'm not. First of all, beauty is an eye of the Secondly, I don't really comment about the on the looks of men, not at least not in a negative way, because I ain't in no position to do that with my ugly ass. My point is this. I could never be judgmental. Of taste. Because I got a friend named Pooley. Now, you see, for those of you who don't know, you should by now. Pooley is. My boy, his real name is Rodney Cowan. I've known him since I was six months old. We never hang out together, ever. I barely see him once or twice a year. We barely talk. And all I would tell you is that I would never call another human being my best friend over him. He is my man, my dog. Love him to death. But you see, the reason why we can't hang out with one another is because He's a big boy. Pooley walk around like 250, okay? Pooley's a big boy who likes very, very, very big women. I'm talking about Rasputia type women. Eddie Murphy's character in the movie Norbit. You know what blubber hanging from your arms, your legs, and everything else in between. You barely, you know, you, 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 you tilting cars and shit. That kind of blubber. That's Pooley. You see what I'm saying? And so when you are a dude that like women like that, you're going to have women who like men like that. Now, I'm not saying that's Jason Kelsey. Because even though he's a big boy, he's a center, and there's some blubber there, there's some girth and strength, obviously, and all of this other stuff. The tush push is the most popular play in the National Football League this year for a reason, pushing folks backside forward. Well, Jason Kelsey is leading that charge. His brother's the ladies, man, Travis Kelsey, or at least he used to be with the reality TV shows. Now, I don't know whether he's dealing Taylor Swift or not or whatever. That's his business. But the point is, Travis Kelsey is a smooth brother. Now, all the ladies like him, black, white, Latina, everywhere he go. 
He don't need Taylor Swift. Let's be clear. He don't need Taylor Swift now. Now, that ain't a bad catch, but he does not need her. Jason Kelsey, I don't know what he needs. Don't know what he wants. I think he's married. But beauty is an eye beholder. I think, you know what I'm saying? Good looking dude. You know, girth and all of that stuff. Depending, you know, look like one of those dudes that be in the woods and stuff like that. Chopping wood, killing polar bears or whatever. I don't know. But the point is this. They gave the sexiest man live this year to Patrick Dempsey. He's 57 years of age. You know that dude from Grey's Anatomy. And people are hating on the list. They're hating on it because they're saying, hey, you know, uh, uh, he's not that popular because Grey's Anatomy is not that popular. Well, damn, he's been on the air for a decade. He's been the star of the show for that long. And oh, by the way, by the way, Sexiest man alive, what the hell I got to do with popularity? He's the sexier you not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm quite sure there's a shortage of women that want to get with him. He's 57. Give the man some love and respect. Congratulations, Patrick Dempsey. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong. He ain't broke. He's been on a successful show all of these, all of these years. Give him love. Give him credit. Me personally. Not that I look at men this way. I'm not knocking those who do, but I don't flow like that. Okay? I will say, Lenny Kravitz at age 59 looks phenomenal. He looks phenomenal. So I'm going to give him love where it's due. But not for the reasons you think. I'm going to explain why the Lenny Kravitz of the world deserve all the love in the world. By telling you my own personal story. Stick around to find out what I'm talking about. You'll find out in a minute. You're listening to the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Back with my story on a very, very serious level in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show Right here over the digital airways YouTube Coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday At the very least um, Reminder that in about a week or so Less than two weeks My studio uh, that I've built will be opening And I'll be doing future shows from that location I can't wait for y'all to see it I'm very, very proud of it Very proud of it personal investment that I made in in it. Um, no donations whatsoever or anything like that. This is all me. And so it's just that important to me with what I'm trying to build and what I'm trying to accomplish for my future down the road. And it wouldn't be possible without y'all. So I really, really want to thank y'all from the bottom of my heart. My subscriber base is over 376,000 and it continues to, throw, to grow by an average of 14 to 1500 subscribers per day. And so I just, I can't be thankful enough, can't be more grateful to all of you. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I sincerely hope that you keep the love coming. Before I get into piggybacking off of the photo that you saw uh, of a couple of minutes ago from the great Lenny Kravitz, age 59, looking like that for crying out loud. Before I get into talking about myself um, in terms of what I've been through, because I feel all of you have a right to know, particularly on this subject, since I'm showing that photo and I'll explain in a minute. First thing I wanted to do was give a special thanks to Savannah State University 
in Winston-Salem State University, my alma mater, over the last two days. The previous two days, Shannon Sharp, my partner in crime on first take every Monday and Tuesday, went to an HBCU, an historically black college and university, for those who don't know what HBCU stands for. Shannon Sharp attended Savannah State. I attended Winston-Salem State. Monday was at on the campus of his alma mater. Uh, Tuesday was on the campus of my alma mater. And here it is, me walking into the arena uh, for everybody to see. I wanted y'all to see this first. This was me returning uh, home on national television at my alma mater for the very first time. Take a look. That was me. And um, it's hard to put into words what it meant. Um, I've had an incredible journey throughout my life. And no matter what I've been able to accomplish, it would not have been possible. Obviously, God himself and the greatest mother I think anybody could have ever known. Uh, but also Clarence Big House Gaines, the head coach, basketball coach, former head basketball coach um, at Winston-Salem State University, um, who passed away in 2005, but was an iconic figure, a giant of a man, literally and figuratively in the world of basketball, who was my coach, um, who assisted me in so many things in life. When I first got to Winston-Salem State University, I cracked my kneecap in half within the first three months. And I never had a career there, so I was never able to play um, to the degree that I wanted to. I was good enough to have a scholarship. I was good enough because I bust people's ass on one leg uh, crying out loud. But after running up and down the court, you know, four or five times, the limp would ultimately kick in. And I was never, ever, ever healthy uh, enough to play. And so that's it. That is what it is. And, you know, people joking around, oh, Stephen A averaged one and a half points. Nope. It was less than that. It was nothing because I never played because I was never healthy. Um, but as a result, I was still able to uh, maintain my scholarship because I was doing things academically and what have you. And, um, you know, thinking about that and thinking about uh, what my aspirations were to come back to the university, to be a Hall of Famer because of my contribution to the school and my contribution to HBCUs, to carry that mantle, to know that Coach Gaines made me promise and all that he had ever asked of me, along with the late, great John B. McClendon, was that I did not forget HBCUs. I did not forget WSSU, and I made sure to contribute to Winston-Salem State. I'm incredibly grateful. And so I just wanted to say that and thank everybody from the bottom of my heart. It was a very special moment, very humbling. Um, I'm not Shannon Sharp, who's a 
three-time Super Bowl champion, a Hall of Famer, and an all-conference player three years in a row, all-time leader and receiver. I didn't have any of those accolades. Uh, so I'm definitely a Hall of Famer for an entirely different reason. Uh, but nevertheless, it meant every bit as much to me as it did to him. And I just wanted to thank everybody for that. Now let me get to this whole story. It's really not about Lenny Kravitz. It's about me. And there's a podcast called The Ultimate Human. And the person who does the podcast is a guy by the name of Mr. Gary Brecker. And he is affiliated and associated with 10X Health, the number 10, the letter X, health. And I've had a lot going on in my life over the last year and a half plus. Some of it you know, some of it you don't. Um, I don't talk about it much. I certainly don't lie about it because I'm not lying to anybody about anything because people ain't important enough to lie to, to be quite honest with you. I know how to tell people to fuck off or mind your damn business. I don't have to lie. But um, when it came to my health, although I believe it's a private matter, I was in pretty bad shape. And, you know, when I had COVID, a lot of people don't realize this prior to that. People used to tease me some boxing video that was out there where some trainer was telling me I didn't have a torn rotator cuff. You just need to loosen your shoulders and all of this other stuff. I had not one, but two torn rotator cuffs. After surgeries to prove it, my left shoulder, I had a torn rotator cuff. Ultimately, my right shoulder, it was a torn rotator cuff, a torn bicep, torn labrum, and a bone spur. The operations took place at the hospital for special surgery in New York. My doctor was a doctor by the name of Riley Williams. Okay. So imagine having those problems and then turning around in the immediate aftermath of that, having COVID. That's what I had going on. If you go to watch the Ultimate Human podcast and you listen to my lengthy interview with Gary Brecker, you will see a photo of me. That photo of me is standing sideways, skinny fat, looking absolutely disgusting. Hell, I look pregnant. And guess what? I'm not laughing. I'm telling you what I know. It was that bad. I'm looking at my phone now to find the photo, to show it to you. But once again, you can go to his podcast to see, because one of the things I don't hesitate to do, I don't mind giving anybody love. If they deserve it, they deserve it. I'm only looking down because I'm trying to find a photo for you in my phone so I can show it to you because it was that damn bad. Just less than two years ago, actually less than a year ago. And I was on a mission to change it. When I think about people who love me, when I think about the woman in my life, I look at my photo. I'm like, damn, she really did love me. I was in pretty damn bad shape. I know that I would never, I would not have wanted me looking like that. I can tell you that much. I wouldn't have wanted somebody looking like that, looking like how I was looking. But it was really, really, really that bad. And so I was on a mission to change my life. And what you've been seeing as a product of my life has taken place over the last nine months. This is me. That was me less than 10 months ago. Now, everybody that looks at me now 
I can do it for you as we speak. I can take off my shirt so you can see if you're looking at this is me right here. Now look at me turn sideways. That's how I am now. In the last 10 months, put my jacket on because I'm not comfortable with my shirt. Not comfortable. Hold on for a second. In the last 10 months, I've lost 35 pounds. Increased my muscle, my body mass, stuff like that. I was, I had a cholesterol level over 300. It's now down below 200. I had insulin levels at 27 because my blood was swimming in sugar. It's now at two. I had body fat that was at 29.6%. It's now 12.8%. And I'm 56 years old. Now you can laugh all you want to, but I think it's safe to say for anybody laughing, the person that has the last laugh is me. Here's the thing. It ain't funny. I was close to death. When I had pneumonia, when I had COVID, I'm sorry, I had double pneumonia. They say when you see a white spot in your lungs, that's pneumonia. My, my x-rays was covered in white. It looked like cloudy skies. It looked like you're in a plane in the sky and you're going through the clouds and you see nothing but white. That was what happened to me. I was in really bad shape. No focus. I would be on TV at times and you get distracted and you almost get to a point where you can't hear. You're damn near feeling like you're having a mini stroke because everything goes to black for a few seconds. The fatigue was persistent. And for almost a year, I could not run up the steps. True story, Michaels. True story, Ray. I could not run up the steps in my house without huffing and puffing. That's how serious it was. I couldn't get on a treadmill and run at all for more than 60 seconds. I couldn't walk for more than 10 minutes. And somehow, some way, I was determined and focused. Don't get me started with how I was sexually or anything. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even talk about it. It's Life is hell when you are in bad physical shape in terms of your stamina, your cardio, and all things in between. It's bad. It's bad, y'all. Because you don't know how you're going to respond from day to day. Literally running 10 to 15 feet had me feeling like I ran three miles. That's how bad it was. And so as I sit here before you today, and I think about my future with the Stephen A. Smith show and, and what I'm striving to do with what I'm doing on ESPN's first take, with what I'm doing, the list goes on and on in terms of my aspirations, my goals, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm trying to say to y'all is I'm the happiest that I've been in a long time because I'm in the best condition I've been in in 25 years. 
and I'm never going back. I'm not stopping. How did I do it? I owe that to y'all. Because what sense is it being successful if you don't help others succeed? They had to get my sugar levels under control. Okay? No, I wasn't on anything like Ozempic or anything like that. Just using a peptide to get my sugar levels under control. Other than that, I changed and vacillated between the paleo diet and the keto diet. I cut out sugars. Not completely because I always cheat with some sugar because I got a sweet tooth. I love my sugar. But the amount of sugar that I eat now in a two-month span, I used to eat in a day. I used to eat, Ray, true story, Michael, true story, Salon, true story. I used to eat cereal, honeycomb, sugar pops, fruit loops, all that stuff. I used to eat that bad boy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, my girl, my family, everybody look at me, they're like this, what the hell? This box has been in the refrigerator in, in, in the cabinet for a month. It ain't even been opened. Fried foods cut back. The bread cut back. Pasta cut back. All of that. All of that. Because you see what people are not telling you is the commitment that it makes. I ain't take sure I take my vitamins and supplements. All of us should, particularly as you get older. You should take your vitamins, your multivitamins. You should take your B vitamin supplements. You, you should take your vitamin C for your immune system. You absolutely should. You should hydrate and make sure you're liquidated. All of that's true. All of that's true. But you're not getting away with not doing the work. You're not getting away with it. You can't just take pills or take vitamins and think that's going to do it to you. I do cardio for a minimum of 30 to 45 minutes, six days a week. I lift five days a week. Yeah, I'm slim, but I'm cut. And I'm going to put on additional muscle. Why am I not cut even more? Why am I not more buff? Because of the torn rotator cuffs. I can't lift for so heavy because if you lift and you, ex you irritate the very thing you got surgically operated on. So instead of doing it just straight full throttle, I got to do incrementally. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. You work your way up week after week after week. That's what I've been doing because I can't do it all in full throttle because it wasn't until this March that I was allowed to lift. This March that just passed, I wasn't allowed to lift five pounds because that's how bad my shoulders were. Needless to say, that's not a problem I have anymore. I never dreamed of my wildest dreams that I would get myself to 20% body fat, let alone 12.8%. I never believed that my visceral fat would go from 97 to 62. My cholesterol level would drop. My sugar levels would get managed. But I cared. Because I didn't want to go out like that. I want you to imagine yourself having a beautiful job. A career. Surrounded by love in your life. People who care about you and want the best for you. Then I want you to imagine them having to go see you in the hospital all the time. Or you having to go see other people in the hospital all the time. You ever smell a hospital?
You know that smell? Just sickness. Sickness swarms you. It's around you. It's everywhere. I don't care how much money you have. If you got to be in the hospital, you ain't living. There is a difference between being alive and living. All of us are alive. We're breathing. But that don't mean we living. I've gone from, I got a trainer. His name is Obi Obadike. This brother's the real deal. I'm ashamed of myself. I've known him for 10 years. I never started using him until a few months ago. I knew him and I worked out with him, but he'd work out with me for two days and then couldn't find me for three months. The brother trains Morris Chestnut. You see how gorgeous this dude is in a lot of women's eyes? I mean, damn, I told him, don't even tell nobody you trained me. Don't, don't even tell him you know me. It's embarrassing. It was that embarrassing because I never showed up. Because I was on my grind and committed to work and doing the best job I possibly could do, covering the NBA, covering work for ESPN, being on TV until I had COVID. And when that shit almost killed me, when my sister who smokes every day had it on a Friday and she was fine by Tuesday, but I was the one that couldn't shake it and I was the one that couldn't get rid of it. And I was the one in the emergency room coming into the year 2022. And they're looking at me and saying, if this steroid and this antibiotic don't work, we're going to have to call your family. When I was the one going through that, plus the surgeries thereafter, I knew it was a message being sent. I had to get my shit together. So I am not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. Shoot, I'm, I'm talking to a gazillion people who look better than me. I'm, I'm in my office right now with three people who look better than me. I ain't blind. I ain't stupid. But bump all that. What I am is the best that I've been in 25 years. Yo, y'all, Stephen A taking Pilates. I'm taking Pilates. Me taking Pilates. Ain't that some shit? It's true. I'm taking Pilates. Then I lift. When I get a chance, I train with my boy Leon in Cali or an Antoine in New York. I'm boxing. Anything to get in the cardio, anything to get the exercise in, anything to break the sweats, anything to do what I got to do to get my heart pumping and to get blood circulating through my veins in a healthy way. Not clogged up and all sticky and everything like cholesterol can do to you. Your HDLs are too are, 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 are too low. Your LDLs are too high. Your triglycerides ain't on the right ain't, ain't, ain't at the right number. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm not chiding y'all. I'm imploring y'all. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. I have a health segment for you every week if you want it. My man Obi will come on the air with me. My man Gary will come on and tell you. He'll tell you specifically what he did for me to help me to get to where I am. But it started with me. It started with me committing myself. And that's one of the reasons I got so much love for Dana White. Because Dana White was the one that introduced me to Gary. And told Gary to take care of me and challenged me to get my ass in shape. I showed you the photo of me. You know why I showed you that photo of me? Because I look at it every single morning when I get up. 
to remind myself what I am never, ever going back to. I was skinny fat, all bones and belly at 208 pounds less than a year ago. I'm now 175, 29.6% body fat. I'm now at 12.8 and sliding. I dipped myself in that cold plunge the great Joe Rogan was telling y'all about. Put myself in a bathtub, plunge myself in temperature, in water temperature. Remember, the body's at 98.7. You had an NFL player that got his life saved, but he was out fishing or doing whatever with a bunch of other people. And about three of them died or whatever. They just got disillusioned and fell into the ocean because they couldn't take what was happening to them. Because again, the water was freezing them. That water temperature was at 74 degrees if you read the reports. Ladies and gentlemen, when I'm home and I get an opportunity to at least five days a week, I dump myself in 55 degree water or less. Three minutes minimum, six minutes max. Get that brown sugar circulating in your blood because your body's in emergency mode. And as that gets churning, everything runs to the stomach area. Why? Because it's trying to protect your vital organs. I'm just telling you what I was told. Doing my research, Googling it and stuff like that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But that's my understanding of it. Well, that stuff that gets your body churning and runs to your organs. Ultimately, if it's churning, it's burning fat. I got up. Didn't I show you my stomach? Was I lying? Was I lying, Ray? Was I lying? Show the photo, right? And you see me now. I got my own family looking at me. My God, what the hell has happened to you? It's really simple. God blessed me with a second chance and challenged me through conduits like Dana White, Gary Brecker, Steve Harvey, who does the same thing. And he lives by that cold plunge. That brother is on it. Along with various others. I remember a dear friend of mine, J.J. Smith, Green Smoothie Queen. I never fail to give her love and credit because everything has to start somewhere. And because of those green smoothies that I used to drink, I started paying attention to my health. But how did I learn more? How did I get to a point where I had a stomach like that to one that's virtually non-existent? You got to take shit to other levels. You can't run from the work. Nothing worth having is going to come to you easy. But you know what the other side to that story is? When it's hard and you do it anyway, you never feel more alive. Because you know you did what most people won't do and what some people can't do. And because of that, from that point forward, you start thinking about other people and you want to help them too. You don't want to be the only one healthy. You want people around you to be healthy. You want to enjoy life with each other. What good are you being healthy and people around you are sickly? 
So yes, your vitamins, your supplements, all of those things are important. Watching all of this white flour stuff, white rice, white pasta, white bread and all of that stuff. Cut back on that. The sugar, cut back on that. But while doing that, eat right. Or at least eat a lot better. So even when you eat wrong, it's an aberration instead of it being the norm. Remember when I used to joke that I'd walk out the movie theater if they didn't have Punch and Crunch? Do you know I stayed at the movie the other day even though they didn't have it? You know what I ate before I went to the movie theater? Me. Lettuce wrap. And turkey meat. Lean meat surrounded by lettuce. Me. Why did I do it? Because I saw results. I liked what I saw. And I was inspired. I may be looking a little bit too slim in some people's eyes. You don't see my shoulders and my chest and my arms and all of that stuff. You don't see that. But I still need to get bigger. I didn't do it to lose weight. I did it to get in shape. What I found out is that in order to get in shape, your body has to get rid of the things that's keeping you from being in shape. And in our case, that's fat. And when the fat came off, it came off in the form of 35 pounds. That is what I have done. And I feel better than I felt in 25 years. There's a lot of people to thank along the way. J.J. Smith, Bucky Marcus, you know, Obi Obadike. My doctors like Steven Siegel and Spivak and all of these folks. But I got to give love to my man, Gary Brecker. I know a lot of people look at there, you see the reports and this is expensive. That's expensive. Most of it is it. Is a consultation about what my blood was showing me. He told Dana White, you got 10.4 years to live. I told him, don't tell me that shit. I don't want to know how long I got to live. Just tell me what my blood work shows. Because everything is in the bloods. Before a doctor talks to you, they examine your blood and they see what they see. Everything's in the bloods. And when he told me what my condition was, all I asked for was for one thing. What do I need to do to address it? And I've been on that mission since. I went from my trainer looking for me to me looking for him. I went from being relieved that I didn't have to work out to being mad that I didn't get it in. I'm not stopping. I don't care if I got five years left, 25, 35, 45 years left. It's not important for me to be alive. It's important for me to live. And that's why I shared my story with you. And when I saw Lenny Kravitz with that physique, y'all are looking at his physique. I'm looking at the fact that he's 59 with it. There's a difference. I am 56 years old with 12.8% body fat. And I'm just getting started. What about you? What about you? You're listening to the Stephen A. Smith show right here over the digital airways of YouTube. Virginity. Approaching age 40. That's the subject that I'm going to get to before I take your messages and get on out of here. Don't go anywhere. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. 
Even if it's not live, it feels that way, doesn't it? Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Gotta get into something because, um, Jay-Z, I'm a fan of this brother. Um, and there are very few people on the planet that is more of a fan of Neil Long's than mine. Um, not only is she beautiful outside, just stunningly beautiful black woman, a goddess as far as I'm concerned, but she's beautiful inside as well. I happen to know her a little bit um, throughout the years. I used to see her at NBA games and, you know, my daughter knows her because my daughter's an aspiring actress and Nia has been incredibly generous with her time and very helpful to, to my daughter, Samantha, over the years. And I'm incredibly grateful to her as well. Nia knows I love her to death. Having said all of that, I saw a recent uh, appearance. I don't know whose podcast it was on or whatever, but she was talking to Jay-Z and they were having a conversation. One would surmise it involved Ime Udoka, now head coach of the Houston Rockets, former coach of the Boston Celtics, who is I don't know what their status is, but obviously they were together and they had a child together, et cetera, et cetera. And then he got caught up in the whole brouhaha with Boston and messing around with, 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 with someone affiliated with the Celtics, ultimately ended up departing from that job. And now he's the head coach for the Houston Rockets. That's his business. I wish him nothing but the best because he belongs to be coaching in the NBA. And I think he's an exceptional coach. Took the Boston Celtics to the NBA finals in his first year as a coach. Not here to get into all of that. She said what she had to say. Um, purportedly alluding to that situation. And Jeezy said something that got my attention, which is why I'm touching on this subject. Before I go any further, listen to, the ex to this exchange between Jeezy and Neil Long. And you got to know when it's time to be done. Right. And that's usually not about another person, an affair mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, some chick that's willing to like make you feel like a king because that's right. why most men cheat most men cheat because that's, the, that's a fascinating to me it's so gross it's so stupid i personally this is my quote and real yeah. niggas don't cheat you don't think so hell no i kind of understand what they you mean not. when you say that they do not i understand what you it's, mean it's, when you say it's that. something in us yeah that makes us want to be right right yes. across the board but is that so that you you are living up to the expectation that you've set for yourself? Okay. First things first. Neil Long, here's all I have to say about you. Let's not invite people into your business. They've tried to get in your business enough. Let's not give them another excuse to approach the father of your child about his past transgressions. Um, you are entitled to feel the way that you should. You certainly are right to feel that way. Um what he did was wrong. What the Boston Celtics did in the final in which they handled the situation was wrong. And we will leave it at that. You are a splendid, marvelous, intelligent, beautiful black woman uh, who should be revered by, by so many as you are. And we wish you nothing the best in your future endeavors. That's all I have to say about Neil Long. My issue is this brother Jay-Z. And again, I am a fan. My brother, what are you doing? Respectfully, bro. 
I mean, did you sit down and have a conversation with Oprah and then tell us? I mean, have you, have you went to therapy with three female therapists and they just turned your turn? I mean, did you read one of Steve Harvey's book and you were in the movie? Think like a man, uh, but then tell us like Michael Ely. My brother once said Steve Harvey was a traitor when he was joking about that stuff, giving away the goods and all of this. I mean, what's up? What's up? Jeezy. <clears throat> Real brothers don't cheat. I'm not going to use the N word. Real brothers don't cheat. Yeah, they do. Yeah, man, they do. I mean, what the hell's going on here? Dr. Phil, what's going on? Come on, bro. Let's understand, ladies. And I'm just messing with Jeezy because, again, I'm a fan. I'm just having fun with him. But let me try to interpret what Jeezy didn't say, but I think you need to know. First of all, men are physical creatures. We covet what we see. Some of us like asses, fat asses. Some of us like titties. Some of us like, you know, or sh shall I say breasts? That's more politically correct and appropriate, okay? And we like hips and legs and, you know, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Some of us like a six-pack. Some of us like a flat stomach. Some of us don't mind a little blubber, okay? To some, a pretty face is more important than the next. To some, just look like a strong seven and we good. OK, definitely got to have a good mouth. Can't have yellow teeth or brown teeth and all that. It's just nasty. OK, it's just nasty. You right? can't have that. All right. I believe in the whole Eddie Murphy thing from Boomerang, you know, played by Leela Rashawn, the wonderful, magnificent Leela Rashawn. But in the movie, her character had bad feet. That can affect you. That is true. That is true. When you got corns and stuff like this, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for us to embrace that. Why am I bringing all of that up? Because it's important that you understand. Aren't all of those things physical? Ladies, you know this is true. If somebody, if you met a man and you liked him and you was like, girl, I like him. I'm feeling him. I'm interested. I'm interested. And you wanted to know what he had to say about you. And somebody that you know with somebody he told how he felt about you. You're going like that all excited. You don't want to hear him say to that person. Well, she had a nice personality. Come on. Solange, I'm looking right at you. You know I'm telling the truth. You don't want that. You don't want, you don't want, he had a nice, but she had a nice personality. I mean, it matters. After the physical's established, you want to be seen as attractive. You don't want to be seen as somebody who's Godzilla or King Kong. You don't want that. You want to be looked at as an attractive commodity. Well, not commodity, but an attractive person. Period. There isn't a man alive that's going to tell you I'm lying when I say this. We covet what we see. Pooley wants Rasputia. Most men with sense want Beyonce or J-Lo or Halle Berry. Or Shakira, Shakira. Somebody along those lines. Me personally, Sanaa Lathan, Megan Good. Those names do just pop into my head with fluidity, okay? It just does. But I'm happy. I got a woman in my life. I'm good. My point to you is this. 
You covet what you see. TNA, we know what that stands for. It matters because it's in our face. And yes, I'm going to throw Kim Kardashian in there because she had on that black suit the other day at that fashion show OBJ threw in New York, in Brooklyn, if I remember correctly. Damn. And oh, by the way, Lala Anthony was walking right behind her. Damn. I mean, damn. Fun as hell, both of them. Is that the truth? Is that the truth? Okay? I say all of that to y'all to say. Men covet what we see. Now, you do have boys that just want to go out there and chase tail. And they boys, they're not men. And we get that. You have young men who gain a level of experience and still struggle with levels of maturity from time to time. And they do what they do. And then you have a situation where a man, you know, real brothers, not using the N-word, Jay-Z, where they come into play. Here's what you didn't tell. See, somebody like you, who's been in the game for a while as a rap artist, as a producer, as a talent, getting stuff thrown at you all over the place, no doubt. You done had your pick of the litter experiences, one would easily surmise, that you can afford to say what you say, what you said to Neil Long. Real men don't do blah, 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 blah. Here's the deal. Real men, particularly those who can look the part to some degree, who got it going on, successful, ambitious, et cetera, et cetera, those men ultimately reach a point, ladies and gentlemen, it's never the point where you don't covet what you see. It's never the point where you wouldn't want to take a peek at something that you find attractive to the human eye. Remember that scene from A Thin Line Between Love and Hate with Martin Lawrence when he was outside of the club talking to the club owner and the guy said, there ain't a day go by that I don't see some bootay that I wouldn't mind taking a peek at. The difference is, but what me and my girl got going on ain't nothing. Ain't nothing worth messing that up. That is the point that real men get to. Real men get to the point where if you have something special and you know it's special, you ain't trying to mess it up for nothing because you've been to the circus. She been to the circus, just like her knowing she got a good man. But we always talk about men. What about women? What if you got a man that ain't getting it done? He just don't do it for you. He doesn't tickle your fancy per se. You just honorable, ain't you? You don't go out there and swirl and twirl and do everything. You, oh, no, no, never you. Never that. Never that. It's just the men, huh? Really? You think we don't know? We always know. We just not tripping the way some of y'all might because then you have to deal with us and the Pandora's box that you opened. When you do something like that. But make no mistake about it. Jeezy wasn't wrong with what he's saying. He was just a bit self-righteous and sanctimonious with it. The real thing you should have said was, yo, when you got that special something, 
Ain't nothing worth messing that up. Real men know that and they don't mess it up. That's what you should have said. Not real men don't cheat. You cover what you see. And if you ain't happy with what you seeing and what you getting when you go home, you're going to go outside and you're going to play. That's most men. That's just the truth, ladies. That's just the truth. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not talking about myself. But that's most men. And it's just the truth. You're listening live to Stephen A. Smith's show. Right here over the digital airways of YouTube. Last subject I want to get to before I go to the calls. There's an actress out there. Her name is Yvonne Orgy. That last pronunciation I'm going to hold on to for a second. Orgy. Okay? Let me tell you why. She is 39 years old. And she's a virgin. And she's talking about how being a 39-year-old virgin, how there's so much pressure to it. I want to read you what they're saying she said. She's a comedian. She played Molly Carter on the popular HBO series Insecure. She's never had sex. She's 39 years of age. <sighs> Once it happens, the world is going to open for you in a different way. I'll just say that. But I digress. Orgy's been open about her virginity for years, saying that she is saving herself for marriage because of her Christian faith. I have to be sensitive to that. I am a Christian. My pastor, Ed Bernard, is watching. I have to be careful with the language that I use. I'm sorry, sir. I'm just, just doing my job, just reading the work. I'm not trying to encourage her to do anything, sir. I swear. Anyway, she discussed the subject on an episode of comedian Chelsea Handler's podcast, Dear Chelsea, saying she is actually really happy about her decision, but that it is so much pressure being a virgin in her 30s. Or she joked that her future husband will need to brace himself once she releases her inhibitions. Quote, pray for him, whoever he is, because there's a lot of pent up energy up in here with me. When asked why she shares the private details of her sex life, or she said, quote, I'm open because why not? I'm grounded in who I am. I can respect that. She also added, before any of the fame happened, I sat down with myself and with God and thought, when I make it, how do you want me to represent you while I'm here? It was like, okay, I know why I'm here. It's to make you proud. That's very honorable. Not throwing any shade on that. Of course not. I'm a Christian man. I wish her nothing but the best. And something, first of all, that's something to applaud. That's not something to denigrate in any way. Um, the reality, however, is that there's men out there that you're dealing with. And the challenge is going to be finding the man who wants to wait. If I'm being so blunt. And what I mean by waiting is I'm not talking about just waiting for you. I'm talking about waiting, meaning that when you get with him, right, as a couple and you're not being intimate with him. Are you sure that he's not going to go elsewhere while he's waiting for you? These are questions that you have to ask yourself. Because in the end, in the times that we're living him and what have you, it's so prevalent. This ain't the 50s where you don't see stuff on television. It says the spirit. Listen, even the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I understand it was connotated differently for a different reason. But the point of the matter is the flesh is weak is a real statement. Something that men and women show every single day. 
And when you consider how pervasive and sexual and sexually pervasive, rather, our society is in this day and age, it's in your face all the time. So imagine if he wants you, Yvonne. And I, I don't I, I don't recall you and how you look or whatever, but let's just say you all that in a bag of chips and you the kind of uh, uh, young lady that this man covets physically. He has to look at you. And wait. And he can't have you. Little secret here. Any man would agree with this. When you're in the presence of a woman that you want. And you can't have her. It don't make you less horny. It makes you more horny. So being around you and wanting you, but not being able to have you. Dare I say, stimulates him in ways that you might not want him to be stimulated in until you get married. That is a challenge. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm just giving you the facts. Ain't nobody trying to lie to you now. I'm your brother. I'm trying to look out. I'm not telling you to break your vows. I'm not telling you to compromise your commitment. I'm just highlighting and illuminating the challenges. It ain't like you meeting a brother today and you walking down the aisle tomorrow. Whether it's six months, it's a year, it's two years. You're asking him to wait for you. And then here's the part that's very uncomfortable. Is it going to be worth it? Now, that's a very unpopular question to ask for somebody that means it in a wrong way. I don't. I'm saying it's an important question to ask because he got boys and he got friends and he has his own expectations. Right. And so the question is, is he going to be worth it? You want me to tell you why that question is important? Because you you're going to have your girls with you asking you. Is he going to be worth it, too? You see, because. Let me tell you a little story about an old cousin of mine that I had. She passed away a few years ago. God rest her soul. But I never forget what she told me when I was being raised. And she said to me. She had a boyfriend. And he was committed to waiting. And she was dating him for about six months. And she said. Okay, and finally they got hot and heavy. It was time to get it on. And she they jumped in the bed together and she was like, let's go. Put it in. You know what he said? It's already in. Damn. I can't imagine. My cousin jumped out of bed, according to her, and never saw him again. But she was able to do that because they weren't married. You know what I'm saying? Good luck. I wish you nothing but the best. I'm a Christian man. I'm a God-fearing individual, and I want you to be happy, Yvonne. But isn't Issa Rae on Insecure? That's my girl. I love her. I met her for the first time at the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm sorry, at the, at the Barclays Center for the WNBA championship game, Liberty and Aces. 
She looked beautiful and she's good people and she's a star in this business and she's happily married. Talk to her. Talk to your friends. Talk to your pastor. Figure out a way to figure things out before you get married. Just words of counsel. Just words of counsel. Before we get on out of here, I promise y'all I was going to take y'all text messages, so I'm going to do that right now. My social media guy sent them to me, so I aim to please and I'm do what I can. And we're going to go question after question. Uh, Big C, it's called at it's underscore B-I-G-C. He writes, Stephen A, worst day of the week to be horny. Worst day of the week to be horny to me is Sunday night. Because chances are most people got to work Monday morning and the week hasn't started yet. And a lot of times you want to get, you want to relax, wind down and enjoy the end of the weekend before you get into the muck and mire, the, the, the hustle of the week. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to do what you're going to do several times a week. But the worst day to be horny is Sunday. The best day is a Friday and Saturday night. Because Friday and Saturday, she looking to go out in most instances. And if you go out, it's been a wonderful evening. And then you want to close. Close. As in C-L-O-S-E. Not C-L-O-T-H-E-S. You want to close. That's closing. Friday and Saturday night's the best. Sunday's the worst. During the week, take it or leave it based on your mood. But in most instances, a Friday or a Saturday, the expectation is that you're going to be ready to step up and handle your business. That's her expectation, whether she tells you or not. Am I right, Solange? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the next question. Um, at Molly Brooker, B-R-O-O-K-E-R. He said, what kind of gift does MJ send you to be? This yes man and slander LeBron James. Well, this is an asshole that's texting me uh, because he's somebody that's emotional about LeBron James, even though one time after another, after another, I state the facts about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan doesn't give me anything. I'd love to represent the Jordan brand. I wish they were a sponsor for this podcast personally. But let me tell you something right now. Jordan ain't done nothing for me and he doesn't have to. He's the greatest I've ever seen. He's the greatest most of us has ever seen. It's not LeBron James. You can talk whatever you want. Let's go to the next one. At Benjamin Smith with a double, with two H's to end. Benjamin S-M-I-T-H-H writes, what would you do if the Knicks won the championship? I'd get on my knees and cry and pray at the same time and thank the Heavenly Father that this happened before I died. That's what I'd do. Next question. At Celtic Sexual. That's what he wrote. That's what he wrote. Celtic sexual at Celtic sexual is his Twitter handle. Best meal before sex. Hmm. Okay. First of all, water, no alcohol. Um, I would tell you a salad. You don't want your stomach heavy before you're trying to get down. You understand what I'm saying? Because it'll bring you down and prevent you from getting up to the degree that you want to get up. You feel what I'm saying? You don't want spicy foods either. Could mess with your stomach. You don't want stomach problems when you're trying to get excited. 
You don't want that. Okay. So I would tell you a nice salad. That's what I would tell you. Could be a little roughish. I know you think it's a little roughish, but you know what the best thing to do? Protein drink. Protein drink. But not something that's going to lay in your stomach. You know what I mean? And water because you want the blood circulating in all the right places at all the right times. That would be my advice to you. So really, it's not really a meal at all. You want to eat after, not before. Next question. At Dragon Balls 1969, B-A-L-Z 1969. He says, my retirement date. Why? You want me to leave? You know you're going to miss me, right? I know you don't you want to act like you're not, but you'll miss me when I'm gone. Trust me. I don't plan on retiring for about the next 15, 20 years. I think I'm going to retire at the age 75 and so, whatever. I like working. I really, really do. Um, I just don't like being restricted while I'm working. I love owning my own business. I love being my own boss. I love creating content. I love acting now a little bit more. Uh, I got other aspirations. But I'd say safe bet the next 15 to 20 years, I won't retire before I'm 70. But I probably won't want to work past the age of 75. That's the answer to your question. I hope that works. I think this is the last question. Clay Travis says that a high school men's basketball team can beat a WNBA team. No, I don't think so. Not when I saw the Las Vegas Aces. A high school basketball team can beat some WNBA teams, but the really, really good ones that know how to play together, it's a difference. It's a difference. I would say that college, yes, but high school, that's going a little bit too far. Some of them can, but some of them can't. Because if you know how to play together, you know how to draw fouls, you know how to defend, you know how to do a lot of different things. But more often, but then again, I might need to take it back. You see the size of some of these high school kids? They look like Amazons. So maybe they're right. But I still think, I look at the Las Vegas Aces, I want to give them a chance. Give them a chance to win. Anyway, that's it for this episode of the Stephen A. Smith Show. I got to get on out of here. But I'll be back with you again on Friday. Same bad time and channel. Got nothing but love for all of y'all. Appreciate y'all. Make sure you tune in and stick around to watch the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airways of YouTube every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Until then, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace and love. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.